0: There's a couple of characteristics that um, I look for, and I, I generally like. I don't, you know, I like the folks that are the sponsors that are doing. You know, they don't have to do a deal. Um, they're not super fee driven. It's like, hey, if I don't buy anything this year, like I'm going to be active looking for the right deals. But if I don't buy anything, that's great. If I, you know, you know, make a hundred offers and I get one, you know, that that's great too. Um, but they're they're active. They're in the market. They're always looking for deals. Um, I like you know those that are tend to be a little bit more hands on as well and, uh, and have the experience. This is your daily real estate syndication
1: show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, our guest is Mark Allen. He's co-founder and executive director at GREA, over 5,000 plus doors uh, in uh, real estate investing since 2009, involved in acquisitions, renovations, management disposition uh, over one and a half billion plus in real estate, focused on uh, multifamily owner uh, representation. Uh, And first year as a broker, he helped broker 176 million in transaction volume over 3,000 units, and he's been Broker of the Year, received numerous awards. His main focus is uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, and uh, you're going to hear him talk about that. Uh, We're going to dive into Dallas-Fort Worth and just the market in general. But he was in the military um, and uh, attended West Point, uh, served in the U.S. Army uh, and led soldiers in Operation Enduring Freedom in Afghanistan. So, uh, again, grateful for our men and women who have served, which you'll hear us talk about also. But, uh, you know, we dive into a number of things that, uh, that I know you're going to learn from, from 2023, things that happened to his expectations in 2024, uh, amongst a number of other topics. Mark, welcome to the show. Honored to meet you and have you on. Whitney, thanks for
0: having me and thanks for your service.
1: Yeah, thank you as well for your service, Mark. Always uh, grateful for guys and gals who have who have served and and to be able to have you on the show uh, for sure. So just thank you to to you as well. Well, let's jump in. Uh, you know, you are uh, you're in a, a market that man. It seems like uh, many, many, many operators. Are in and love being in and, and passive investors as well and have for a number of years now. So, uh, you know, we want to dive into to Dallas Fort Worth and what you've learned there and you know even some some of what's happened right over the last year and and maybe give a little review for, get a review from you. Um, and, you know, maybe uh, nationwide as well, but but I know you're mostly uh, specific to uh, Dallas Fort Worth and and dive into a number of things. Uh, first, why, why don't you talk about? I know you even in. And not too many years ago, you were Broker of the Year and, and you know, multiple awards and whatnot. Um, but give the listeners a, a little bit about, you know, your focus, because I, I love this. So I asked you this uh, before we got started, and I loved, like, you knew the exact, like, details of, of your focus and your niche, which I think is so powerful. But let's, uh, you know, tell the listeners as well.
0: Yeah, sure. So Mark Allen with G R E A global real estate advisors. Uh, we were formerly with a big company called Greystone and we broke off beginning of 2022 and launched GREA. Ironically, we're called Greystone Real Estate Advisors um, internally at Greystone. So that's kind of where the name came from and four letter domain is, is difficult to come by. So uh, GREA was available for pretty cheap price. Um, but all that being said, uh, I, I grew up in Orlando, Florida and uh, made my way uh, here to Dallas. Through the military, I went to West Point U.S. Military Academy and uh, then ended up in the Army. And my last duty station was in Colleen, Texas, uh, Fort Hood, which is now Fort Cavazos. <laughs> Today, I'm specifically focused on multifamily BNC class, uh, specialize in kind of the five to $30 million space. That's really my, my focus. So a lot of my clients are uh, either private investors uh, or, or syndicators, uh, most of those who are raising retail equity.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's great to uh, know people like yourself, especially if you are focused in Dallas uh, area, Dallas Fort Worth. Uh, we need somebody like yourself on our team, no doubt about it. Uh, well, you know, let's jump right in, and maybe we begin with uh, you know last year, maybe like a review of twenty twenty three and multifamily sales, some things around uh, you know what you saw happen, and and uh, and give us some uh, some details of how it played out, uh, and maybe even some lessons learned, you know. I'm working with so many operators.
0: Yeah, uh, challenging environment. Dallas, Fort Worth, fortunately, like I, even taking a step back, uh, I moved to Dallas to take a job with a software company based out of Newport Beach, California. And uh, I think it's common for for military folks when you get out, you're just like, very generally, uh, you know, I don't know what I want to do, so there's a lot of folks will go to grad school to kind of figure it all out. Or it's just broad. I want to get in sales. I want to, you know, stay in operations, whatever the case may be. Um, so I, I did that for a little bit and uh, found myself in Dallas-Fort Worth and uh, was also a real estate investor, primarily single family. And at a certain point, I, I wanted to go, you know, scale up and go multifamily. So met some folks here and they convinced me to come to the to the dark side, to the uh, broker side. As I was al- already had my real estate license, and uh, you know, I think about that and i had no idea you know like i li- i like multifamily but i didn't explore other asset classes i didn't explore other jobs within multifamily whether it be asset management or acquisitions or um i, I did go to a a local seminar here of uh one of the mentors or mentorship groups here in town that has kind of the ecosystem uh, so learn a little bit about that consider that maybe um but I, I I feel fortunate for ending up in Dallas-Fort Worth and specifically in the multifamily asset class because there's probably no better place on earth to be a multifamily broker uh, or, you know, that asset class uh, in this market. So, uh, anyways, yeah, 2023 uh, was a heck of a lot slower than 2022. We, we had a record year in 2022 um, as far as multifamily sales go, and that's GREA across, across the board, but specifically in this market. We were the poster child across, uh, you know, sales volume for all asset classes here in and DFW, but specifically multifamily. And a lot of that is just, you know, I mean, for the same reasons, uh, a lot of folks are investing in some of the other, you know, growth sunbelt states because we had uh, su- incredible supply demand fundamentals. Um, I think we're still delivering, you know, this year thirty two thousand units are under construction, and when you look at a percentage of our entire inventory. Uh, that's just a little bit over two percent, and you've got markets. I mean, for example, in Austin, Austin, um, they have about the same number of units under construction. However, it's closer to about nine percent of their inventory. So here in DFW, like we can easily absorb that. Seems like every other week you have some, you know, company. Even as the economy is maybe slowed down a little bit, uh, you still have companies announcing uh, relocations and expansions here in the Dallas Fort Worth metroplex. And we have a lot of land, like our infrastructure set up uh, to where we can um, uh, we can bear the growth. Uh, So there's been a lot of not only growth to the north, but also uh, to the southern, eastern and western suburbs, Uh, not not hindered as like a Phoenix market where you have like mountainous regions and, you know, you can't expand as far. So anyways, generally uh, 2023, we saw, you know, we saw kind of uh, I guess you could consider potentially peak rates. Um, as we had a 10-year treasury yield reach up to, uh, I think it hit 5% at a certain point and then has kind of dwindled back down to to sub four and then looks like today over 4%. So a lot of volatility, it's been up and down, uh, but generally in 2022, we saw, you know, the Federal Reserve uh, decide to start hiking rates. And, um, you know, as they drag the short end of the yield curve up, you know, the long end of the yield curve, which matters for us real estate investors, as uh well specifically for multifamily because a lot of times we're borrowing uh with a corresponding spread over over the uh or the spread over the corresponding treasury yield so uh with higher interest rates, you know that really cooled off the sales market um and created kind of a bid ask spread um which is commonly heard in the news and generally you know sellers are, are you know it's like kind of frustrating as a broker because you know, you, you see where the terminal rate is and you expect rates to continue rising and you're trying to guide sellers and tell them like, you know, take the deal, take the deal, take the deal. But, uh, you know, they, they won't take the deal and then they wait and they they actually drop their price and they're just chasing, uh, I guess maybe you heard the term chasing a falling knife. So that's kind of what's been happening. Um, specifically, uh had one here, I mean, through most coastal states, but specifically Texas with all the losses. Uh, insurance, insurance is a big headwind. So average increases probably north of 30% here. Um, one of our larger line items outside of taxes and payroll and uh, property taxes being another, another big uh, uh, topic here in Texas, um, specifically in some of the major counties um, in, in Austin, Houston and Dallas. Um, uh, so, you know, the taxes insurance is both a headwind. And then we have kind of last year for the first time, you know, you heard, probably saw a lot in the news about negative rent growth. So we just had slowing revenue growth. Unfortunately, I, th- I think we fared better than a lot of markets like Nashville, um, you know, Phoenix, so on and so forth that had, you know, negative rent growth, um, a lot of concessions in those markets. Like I said, our supply demand fundamentals are really strong here in Dallas, Fort Worth. So because of that, feel like we fared better than a lot of other markets. But, um, you know, generally, I, th- I think too, you probably see um, in in the news about negative rent growth, and that includes articles in Dallas about negative rent growth. But you kind of have to break that out too, because I mean, each submarket's gonna be a little bit different. And then also the asset quality, you know, 60s and 70s vintage may be completely different than, you know, brand new construction, or even, you know, a late 90s vintage property. Um, So here in DFW, we still see workforce housing rent growth uh, in the positive territory, um, closer to, you know, about three and a half percent. So that's just something else to take a look out for any uh, sponsors or operators out there that are looking for deals. You know, don't just take the headlines that it's, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt because, you know, the uh, the devil is in the details or in the data.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. appreciate the the look back there and just thinking through some of the things about 2023. And, uh, you know, these you're talking about uh, are a number of things there you were mentioning, but, uh, you know, sellers uh, wouldn't sell. Right. And then they uh, they're uh, kicking themselves. Right. <laughs> You know, like as yeah. you, you talked, you know, you mentioned uh, chasing a uh, you know uh, or trying to catch a falling knife or something like that, uh, and so yeah. it's uh, no doubt, you know, as we've been trying to buy, you know, it's it's been difficult, right, to find deals that make sense, and and I think um, it's uh, sellers still want that price they could have gotten right eighteen months ago, right, or uh, yeah. that they think they could yeah. have got right, you know, um, or what they were told anyway. So, uh, do you see that just that mindset changing at all, even now, you know, from you know, or the, just a realization of of you know what properties are are really valued at today versus two years ago to sellers?
0: Yeah, when we I mean when we have a sense of stability, when rates are are stable and it seemed like it was that way last year and kind of like we we had the treasury yields drop, so like April through through maybe July. And then all of a sudden we saw the spike after that. But through that couple of month period it seemed like that bid-ask spread really closed. And uh, so I feel like anytime we have a sense of stability um, from a deal-making standpoint, it really helps. And I would also, I'd say like, you know, generally the conversations last year, uh, for those that bought at peak pricing in 2021 or 2022, and this is gonna be the same across any markets, generally, I mean, here in Dallas-Fort Worth, we're seeing price adjustments, from the from the peak pricing 20 to 50 percent and that that 50 percent may be a deal that's just not not performing really well it's you know 78 percent occupied with 10 percent of the rent roll delinquent um so that's going to have a, a, a bigger discount um, pricing because there's less demand for that kind of uh, deal today um you know but generally a lot of the conversations i was having you know for folks in bridge loans last year or in 2022 rather, um, was hey like I promised a fifteen percent IRR to my investors? I really want to achieve that. I-, I can't go with the five percent IRR because uh, that's what this price will will uh, return to my investors. And then the conversation transferred a little bit in twenty twenty three to hey, I really got to break even. I need to get my investors their money back. I can't. I, I don't want to have them take a loss. Um, so it'll be interesting. And again. I You know, even with rates dropping, I kind of put together a case study myself um, just to talk through with some of my some of my clients. But, you know, with proposed uh, values coming out for um, the new assessed values for 2024 come out usually April, May, and then you're going to have insurance renewals. You know, I'm hearing insurance renewals again, averaging somewhere around 30 percent. Uh, if revenue is generally flat and there's not you're not executing a you know your value out business plan and and driving revenue growth, even even if interest rates drop seventy five to one hundred basis points, it's really not going to help you on value because a lot of that expense growth is eat, eating up uh, the value there. So we'll see what happens this year. You know what the economy does, what what happens on the revenue side. Again, it's going to be market by market dependent, but. Generally, I, I would expect that values will be a little bit lower this year than last year. And then I think we start to see uh, it pick up as, as it kind of rebounds on the revenue side in 2025 and beyond. So, you know, because of that, I think we're pretty close to the bottom. Um, it's impossible to time the bottom. So, all that being said, I think it's a really good time to buy. Um, you just have to be able to stomach the the volatility. Um, and then in a competitive market like DFW, it comes with risk because, you know, we're still seeing um, strong terms in today's market. Most deals are going non-refundable earnest money, um, you know, with agency execution. So and that's going to be market by market dependent. But that's what we see here.
1: Wow. Awesome. It makes me think, you know, everybody's talking about distress deals right now, right? And, and having a distress fund or, you know, uh, a deal fund um, where they can hopefully take advantage of these properties that, that people are going to have to sell. Uh, I just wonder, you know, is that something you're seeing or even an expectation over the next, you know, number of months that that operators unfortunately are in positions where they're, they're having to sell, right? Uh, you know, for uh, their, uh, you know, their caps are
0: expiring or whatever it may be not as much in Dallas-Fort Worth, uh, even even versus some of the other metros. Like I saw a LinkedIn post the other day from uh, a brokerage down in Central Texas in Austin, San Antonio. And it was one of the analysts that, posted, uh, that, that made the post. But essentially, I think 22% of the deals that they underwrote in 2023 were distressed. And we're not seeing anywhere close to that. I mean, I could probably count the number of deals, maybe uh, four hands. But- you know, it's definitely not that much as, as far as a percentage of total de- total deals. And again, I think it 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 kind of goes back to, I think we're seeing more distress in some of the coastal markets, like here in Texas, that would be Houston, as we've seen just crazy increases on the insurance side. Mm-hmm. So that's been a that's been a definite challenge. And then, you know, in other, we we just don't deal with it as much. I mean, probably average uh bad debt or delinquent delinquent rent tenants that aren't paying their rent. Uh, you know, somewhere between the two and I'm going to say five percent range is probably a good range, and and uh, you know probably obviously less on the higher quality assets, but generally for B and C class, two to five percent. Houston, you got a Houston. You know, I mean, there's a ton of deals that are ten percent plus bad debt. So you, you factor in, you know, it's eighty nine percent occupied, you know, ninety one percent occupied, you know, qualifying for agency debt from a physical occupancy standpoint. However, you know, 12% of the rent roll is, is delinquent, not paying rent. Um, so, you know, it, it uh, you know, definitely more challenging market there. You know, same thing, our Atlanta counterparts, they're saying uh, some of those counties in Atlanta are very uh, tenant friendly and it's very difficult to you know get some of those non-paying um, tenants evicted. So, you know, a lot of those deals that are underwriting 10 to 40% delinquent rent rolls. So, you know, I, I think that's kind of the other headwind in some of those, um, you know, some of those markets and probably more specifically in markets that are that are more tenant friendly. Um, uh, but here in Dallas-Fort Worth, we're just not seeing as much. Uh, the other thing we're kind of seeing just generally across the country, a lot of the lenders are seem really uh, willing to work uh, with the borrowers. I think, Generally, they'd like to see some skin of the game. They call it, you know rebalancing the loan. You may have to bring some some cash to the table um, to get closer to their you know debt yield or DSCR requirements. Um, easier for maybe some of the more capitalized folks. Maybe a little bit more difficult for you know syndicated raise retail equity and has investors that are you know invested fifty thousand or a hundred thousand unless they have the own uh, their own liquid capital, but. Um, you know, generally, I, I think a lot of the lenders uh, don't want to take back assets. So um, they're, they're willing, as long as the sponsor is very communicative, um, and, you know, just really depends on the lender, that uh, they're willing to work out and kind of make a deal. Because I think the hope is, is that things continue to get better over, you know, the next year, year and a half. And, uh, you know, you probably heard the term survive through 25. So I think that's that's kind of the general hope. You
1: know, you mentioned this a, a couple of minutes ago, you said, uh, you know, you, you believe it is a, a good time to buy right now. And, you know, I, I just wonder, I know some of the listeners are probably wondering, well, is there really good deals out there to be had right now? Is there, you know, it seems like they're all so overpriced, you know, and, and, and nobody's really uh, able to buy much. But, but what's your opinion or, you know, how would you answer that?
0: Yeah, I mean, generally, like multifamily has been a, a longer term game. And I think everyone over the past couple of years got so, so used to the quick fix and flip, you know, in and out of deals in 18 to 24 months and, uh, you know, 30% plus IRRs, whatever the case may be. There's that period where where that was uh, occurring. So I think, you know, and there was a lot of new entrants kind of in the market as, as um, you know, kind of. Uh, you know, loose monetary policy and, and whatnot. I, I think just generally, yes, it's it's prices have adjusted and shifted. I think you have to have a longer term mindset. Most syndicators are running a five year model. Um, I think in today's market, you see a lot of folks taking five and seven year term debt uh, with flexible prepay structures with the with the agencies, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, um, because they want to be able to to uh, have the term necessary. Um, you know, to complete their business plan, um, it's probably going to be slow the next, you know, at least two years. So I think there's going to be a good opportunity over the, you know, probably between three and five years to exit. Um, you know, we'll probably have some cap rate compression. You know, we'll have some revenue growth on, on between those years three and five, and uh, you know, those deals today at, at pricing at today's prices and cap rates will will look uh, will look nice. So
1: yeah, uh, maybe dive in a little more to what you foresee or expect, you know, over the next six, 12 months uh, and how, uh, you know, buyers or even investors, passive investors should be thinking about, you know, the next six to 12 months.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, it's tough. I mean, at least the conversation that I'm having with a lot of sponsors, um, you know, there there are certain sponsors that are are really good at raising money and they're doing it, you know, really well now. I don't know if they're, you know, you know just uh, I, I don't know if they're just network connections or whatever the case may be but um you know it's a challenge because there's a lot of lps that have invested in deals and a lot of them maybe again maybe are newer to the multifamily family market or, or private uh placement investments and you know they're not going great they're not getting distributions so that's unfortunately i think gonna you know pull some of those folks off and they'll probably never invest in a deal again um, and then you have those that are getting, you know, the capital calls are occurring all over the country. So you have folks concerned about that and uh, wanting to keep some capital on the sidelines, you know, sh- should they need the extra liquidity, um, for the capital call. Um, you know, but generally, like I said, I, I think, um, you have to have a longer term mindset. Um, I think quality assets and quality locations, uh, will outperform over the long um, you know it's helpful to have you know i don't care what market it is i think i think the operator the sponsors like everything um because they make or break the deal so i mean there's there's a couple of characteristics that um i look for and i i generally like i don't you know i like the folks that are the sponsors that are doing you know, they don't have to do a deal. Um, they're not super fee driven. It's like, hey, if I don't buy anything this year, like I'm going to be active looking for the right deals. But if I don't buy anything, that's great. If I, you know, you know, make 100 offers and I get one, you know, that that's great, too. Um, but they're they're active, they're in the market, they're always looking for deals. Um, I like, you know, those that are tend to be a little bit more hands on as well and uh, and have the experience. And the other thing I think we're learning, you know, just generally is, is know, um, understanding the sponsor's, you know, personal financial situation, you know, if how much liquidity they have and if there are storms that are faced, um, are they going to have the capital to come up or are they going to go directly to the capital call? Um, so just a couple of things to look for.
1: It's interesting. You mentioned like the operators, uh, per, really the personal financial ability or stance or, uh, or health, <laughs> right? Uh, and yeah. uh, you know, that is, uh, it's definitely something that should be considered by every operator. Uh, I know, I, uh, you know, I've gone through cycles where I've, man, I really want to invest in some deals, but it's like, man, I, I need to keep a certain amount of liquidity on hand at all times. Right. You know, I mean, yeah. personally, I, and, and for a reserve budget, right. Too. So we can pay our team for 12, 18, 24 months going through a time like this case, we don't do any deals, right. Or sell anything or, or, or whatnot. Right. Um, uh, but like you said, too. In case you know, we have projects that uh, uh, that need some capital. I'd prefer not to do a capital call, right? Or fund it myself. Yep. I have to. Um...
0: Yeah, yeah. Benefit of being a broker, I I underwrite a lot of deals, and I with all the data and information I have, I can see you know who's operating well and and who's not. Um, and there's, I mean, there's uh, you know a sponsor that I've invested with that um, you know he'll. he'll Not that he's looking in tough areas, but if the right deal comes about, you know, he'll go into lower income areas and, you know, they'll crush it. Um, So, I mean, the operational from an operational standpoint, I think that's a key um, that a lot of folks and not necessarily you could do it with third party management. You don't need to be a you know owner, owner, operator, owner, manager. But, you know, that asset management ability and the ability to manage people is key. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation with Mark
1: Allen today. We are going to continue the conversation tomorrow and dive into a number of topics, uh, even around what buyers need to be thinking about or sellers need to be thinking about and passive investors need to be concerned about when investing right now.